Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 118th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor-in-chief of the site, and I will be your host for this episode because I have sent Al Manorino off to find both love and thunder. And if he finds love, his wife will be very mad. Uh, It's not her. So hopefully he just comes back with two screaming goats and an 80s metal soundtrack. Uh, Programming notes. We are seven weeks away from the vaunted 125th episode where we will be revisiting Twin Peaks, the series. Yes, all three seasons, including the one they went into a nuclear bomb on. It's going to we're really going to go into the ether on that one, guys. But I, uh, this episode is going to be a little different. For the, almost the past year, we've been talking about shows, movies, cultural events. Just one singular thing. This episode, we're going back to the old format. We're going to be talking about some news stories, some pop culture recommendations. And I have two awesome people to do that with. First, you may know her from every Star Wars podcast we've done over the past year and a half. Why? Because she's the best uh, resident guest we have when it comes to talking about Star Wars. Of course, she is the general manager of Mission Pro Wrestling, which you may know is the home promotion for AEW Women's World Champion Thunder Rosa, Amanda Rivas. Welcome back. I feel like it's been forever. It's probably been a month, but it feels like it's been about 10 months since we've last talked. It, it really does, even though, yes, it has been a month, but it feels longer. And I'm, I'm just so happy to be back and excited. And thank you again so much for having me. I'm, I'm ready to talk all this goodness and to do it with two of the best. So I'm excited. Well, when we speak of the best, we're not talking the best of the best starring Eric Roberts and Chris Penn. No, we're talking best of the best starring the Golden Star, star starring the head film and television writer for Substream magazine. Merjani Rawls, welcome back, sir. I remember that movie. The do best you, of the best. <laughs> well, do you remember the first one, the second one, or the third one? And I heard I, the third one got a little weird if the first two weren't. Um, but yes. I, I believe, yeah, I think it's the second one. Like Brackus is in like in the second one, right? Uh yes. Former yeah, they have, like the colo- the Coliseum. Yeah, I remember that. Um so yeah. The it's good to be back. I've you... ever made in my life is speaking of Brackus, which no <laughs> one has said probably since a revisit of something from 1998. <laughs> we are. I've I've brought Amanda and Marjani on not only because they're just awesome people to talk to about pop culture, but they are just in, entrenched, engulfed in experts. In the world of pro wrestling. Also, Al would never let me get away with talking so much about wrestling on one podcast. But I wanted to talk about this because this is a huge moment within pop culture. It was announced last week, almost a week to, a week to the day that this podcast is dropping, which is a Friday. Vince McMahon resigned as the chairman, CEO, and head of creative from WWE. If you know one thing about, if you've never watched pro wrestling before, you know who Vince McMahon is. You know what WWE is. And probably for most of you who don't know wrestling, you probably just say, oh, WWE, that's wrestling. There's more to that, of course. We know that. But this is a huge moment. Vince McMahon was the man who changed pro wrestling. Now, just a bit of a disclaimer before we go into talking about this moment. None of us here are defending Vince McMahon at all. We do not condone any of the things he's allegedly done. We think they're all terrible. 
So this is not a boohoo for Vince podcast. If, if you, that's what the podcast you want, there's a lateral trash ones you can go listen to. This is we're trash for a whole nother reason. And it's mostly because of me. Uh, so what we want to talk about is the big question. Did you guys ever think we would get to this moment that Vince McMahon in theory, we think, because who knows, but is done. Well, he's still a stockholder. We have to put that out. So there is money still to be made by him for WWE, that he is no longer in charge of WWE. So, Johnny, I'm going to start with you. Did you ever think we would come to this day, you know, starting January 1st, 2022? Did you think we we're coming to this? or when? And then when the allegations came out, we were like, oh, I think we're going to see the end of Vince. No, no, I didn't. I, I thought that he was literally going to go out on his deathbed as the creative and, and owner and everything. That's kind of how he set his life up. Like he ate, <laughs> breathed, slept the business, and that's all he did. Uh, so it was a shock to me. I mean, I don't know. Like when the, when the allegations first came out in that uh, – Wall Street Journal piece, I was like, okay, this is bad. Like, and this is coming off like years after speaking out came out and, or two years after like speaking out came out. So like, you know, we're still trying to figure out the ramifications of that because there are still some wrestlers within the WWE who are still wrestling after that. So it was just like, okay, okay. Um, and then the SmackDown appearances were a little bizarre to me, uh, but they also felt like his weird way of saying goodbye because I was looking at of the, the alleged stuff with the sexual harassment, the payments, and then the money. And I'm like, um, I don't think that he, even Vince McMahon would be able to survive this. Uh, so even consider all of that, I didn't, I was like, no, nah, man, this guy is going to try to fight this off somehow. And then when the announcement came and said that he was stepping down, I was like, wow, okay. Like, he's out. He's gone. It's a new era. It's officially a new era in wrestling. Amanda. I agree with Mojani um, in terms of I did not think that Vince McMahon would willingly step down, uh, retire, I thought literally he'd croak in a chair in like gorilla, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, at a, at a creative meeting, literally while working would probably croak. And that's not to be mean or anything, but it's just, that's again, he, he basically lived the business. Um, I was wondering at first when all the allegations initially broke, whether he would get away with it or not, because there's so much looking at the history of, you know, of wrestling and WWE and Vince McMahon, there's so much other stuff that yeah. you're just like, wow, how did he get away with it? I mean, case in point, let's talk about Jimmy Stuka, right? Right off the bat. Like, you know, yeah. you know, something went down there, you know, something went down there and, and he had gotten away with so much. And the alley, this is not the first time allegations have come forward or have been made against him. We know now it just came down to the right environment where people were willing to listen and do something about it and with speaking out. But I also felt like even amongst speaking out, 
if it had just been, and it's not to minimize any, in any way, shape or form. So what happened obviously was horrible, horrible, but I think he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for the wall street journal, if it wasn't because it involved bigger corporate dollars, he would, he would have gotten away with it. He still would have found some way to be involved in WWE more than he's going to be allowed to do now. Um, so I felt like it took that, that, that wall street journal piece and that big of a corporate issue, even though sexual harassment is obviously a big corporate issue. It just, when you talk big corporate dollars, that is what's going to get people kicked when it's a bigger amount, if you will. Um, so I, I wondered for a good while if he was going to get away with it. And then when the tweet came out, I was like, okay, he's done. Like this is even with SmackDown. I'm like, he's, this is his way of saying goodbye on camera. I didn't think we were going to see Vince McMahon on camera, but I thought he's still going to continue to work somehow backstage. Um, but then when the tweet came out, I was like, yeah, he's, he's done. Something big is coming and then came Wall Street. So I, I never thought that his SmackDown appearances or his TV appearances were farewells. I thought they were FUs. That's what I, because originally I think you could tell when he just came out and said WWE, then now forever together, amen, age of Aquarius, whatever the fucking thing they're doing is now is he, he wanted to say more. He wanted to be like, ah, I'm not going down. And they, they told him like, you can't. Like he was told legally, you shouldn't say anything. And Amanda, I think that point you made is about all the stuff with the NDAs and with you know speaking out stuff. He would have got away with that if that was the only thing. That would have been buried somehow. The reason they were NDAs was because he was trying to get away with it. Mm -hmm. And they would have just hand-waved it, written it off, and it would have... And that's the tragic part of it. Right. That it and it's almost like Al Capone in some ways, where it was did Al Capone get taken down for the crimes he committed? No, he got taken down because of money and taxes. And Vince McMahon, is he getting, you know, is he going down because of things that were really bad that happened that he allegedly did? And I have to keep saying the word allegedly. No, it's it's money. It's because and it's almost a technicality that they weren't written off as expenses or something like and so it's taking him going public to get busted for all the other stuff. I mean, we saw him skate on steroids. He oh, didn't yeah. get busted with that. And it's like, I'm sorry. Look at some of those people before they got there. Look at them when they were there. Yeah, if, I if, don't know. If, you that, know? If, that, if that steroid, yeah, I thought if that steroid trial didn't get him, what, nothing's going to get him. But when, no. you, when you talk about a publicly traded company and millions and millions of dollars in stocks the company right. and the shareholders and the board yeah. are always going to work in the best interest of the company so that i think that's what it came down to like oh is this going to hurt i mean mm -hmm. even when he went down and then you know the triple h thing happened the stock went up yeah <laughs> it went up it did. yeah it went up a lot and he allegedly made buttloads of money off of that by himself stuffing down but before we get into Triple H, one thing I, I, I was going to say was I never thought we'd see Vince McMahon leave unless he decided it was time to sell. And that brings me to the question. I'm probably jumping ahead of where I should be, but Rajani, I don't know. I felt like you and I have talked on offline about this for like two or three years now. With Vince McMahon, 
out of the picture as a CEO, chairman, head of creative, as the face of WWE, even though he is a shareholder still, the, ma- the majority shareholder, I should say. How soon do you think WWE gets sold and who do you think buys it? Because to me, I think that clock is ticking a lot louder these days that they're now going to look that they're, they're going to keep going up. They're going to keep maximizing it. And they are going to make this as, as lean as possible in terms of money, in terms of expenditures. And I think they're going to sell. And I think NBC universal will buy them up because they own, they own the libraries. Why not just do it? You could add a WWE attraction to universal studios, both California. Is there one in California? Or I know there's one in Florida. Yes. I know. Okay. So you could add WWE attractions to the universal studios properties. There's all this stuff you could do. You, you have years and years of uh, footage that has been on your networks You've got the platform and the infrastructure for it. I think it is only a matter of time before I'd say in two years, I think WWE after WrestleMania 40, I think WWE is sold for the majority is sold while the McMahon, while with caveats of Stephanie and Hunter and others being kept on, I think WWE will be sold. Uh, I want you to go last in this one. So Amanda, do you think WWE is going to be up for sale soon because Vince is out? And if so, who do you think they're going to? And what, what do you think that timeline is? Or am I just, um, I'm just wishful thinking on my part? I don't know. Well, I felt like before the scandal, uh, WWE was on the way to be sold for, for sure. I think it's still, it's a possibility, but I think right now with the scandal being so fresh, they're going to, most major companies are going to wait whether it's NBC, whether it could, could be Fox, could be it. it they're going to wait. I mean, at Disney, maybe they're, they're going to wait a little bit to kind of let this situation resolve and kind of let the Vince legacy kind of just go. I, I feel like they're going to, it's going to be a wait and see. Um, I think, I think there's also going to be a bit of a, a bit of time because they're going to see what Hunter can do. What can Triple H do? What is he going to do creative-wise? Can he turn the product around? Can he bring people back to WWE? Um, there's a lot of pressure on him and on, on Stephanie. Can they deliver and turn it around and make can, – can basically, can WWE survive without the legacy of Vince, in a way, without him being in, the, in front and center? So I think a sale still will happen. I think it's delayed with all of this. So it's kind of – Interesting you brought up Disney that they they have a Disney Plus Hot Star deal in place to distribute WWE content, I want to say in Southeast Asia. And that's their first Disney deal. So that is that's very interesting. So so could, is I, in think, there. I think it could be between uh, to uh, between NBC and Disney. That's who I think it's it's gonna be between. But again, I think both companies right now are gonna wait and see make sure this is all resolved because they don't want to take on, probably don't want anything to do with the scandals and, you know, keep their, keep their, keep their, uh, kind of keep a little clean, keep their hands clean for a bit, let everything resolve. And then let, let triple H, let's see if triple H can turn everything around, change things up, revitalize the product and then bring it on while it's hot. It's going to take a little time to do that. Yeah, I think they're also not going to get the highest price, especially right now, too, despite the stocks going up. 
Right. Marjani, you have a lot of thoughts on this. So the floor is yours, my friend. I think with Nick Conga hired, the clock ticked as soon as he uh, the ink was dry. Uh, if you look at every all the moves that WWE was making, getting into NFTs, getting into A&E, Netflix, all these like deals showing up at like music festivals and stuff like that. What I tell people is like, like WWE is like an entertainment business. They'll throw bones at like the diehard fans, like all of us, like, Hey, like, but like, it's more an entertainment center and that's not knocking anybody, but that's what the business is. And I think that they were priming, like, look at all the things that we do. I think that they were priming for that. I think that they are priming for a sale. I agree with Amanda when she said that, they're probably going to wait until things cool down because you can't the stench is still on like with everything that's going on. It's still, there's optimism because triple H who did NXT black and gold, who made that brand like ex- successful as it was uh, until it got changed to 2.0 where like there's the optimism of Paul Heyman coming back into the fold and like, oh man, they're going to do things new because I think that Vince towards the end of his tenure thought great big picture, but when it came down week to week, that's where like things got lost in translation. He can deliver you a WrestleMania. He can deliver you the big four, but anything else like, you know, like that's, Royal Rumble 2020 would yes. like that conversation. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say most of it, not every single thing. WrestleMania like, this year definitely delivered for sure. Yeah, he he looks at big picture. They need like, and I'm not even going to say like bring black and gold back because I think that was a special thing in right. time with a lot of special wrestlers who happen to be over in Jacksonville. So, you know what I mean? Like, I think that if you want that black and gold field, I would just watch AEW. But, um, I mean, their colors are also. Yeah, they're also. Black, yeah, true. <laughs> but I think that, like, you know, what Amanda said, that everybody's going to wait to see what Triple H does with creative. I know people were like, "What are we going to do about SummerSlam?" I was like, "I don't think it's going to be that drastic yet. I don't. Um, I don't think that you could just. Well, you may. Well, you may. I mean, they already. We'll get to that. We'll get to. We'll get to already. A little bit, we'll dive a little bit more into Triple H in a minute. But they already changed like a match. But I, I'm just seeing who they're creating with the. You know, NIL program they're doing, which is let's just do athletes and like, you know, not indie guys and things. I think that it's more of an entertainment business now. So whenever that the TV deal rights come back again, like you said, like NBC Universal obviously is a option. I think Fox would be the best because Fox has a wide open range of programming and, you know, NBC Universal has a lot of stuff like that they're not going to move over for wrestling. Fox will build around like they have football, they have baseball, they, you know, it'll be SmackDown and Raw. So, I mean, and oh, yeah. listen, Disney, this is always going to be a player. Disney's got money, they got money to spend. But, you know, what I'm sure everybody's going to say is that like this has to die down and we have to oh, see, yeah. we <laughs> have to see what they're going to do up to WrestleMania, it, 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 this year's WrestleMania, because it all could. Optimism can fall apart. We don't know. Well, that's interesting you mentioned TV TV rights because I thought of this like, why if you're NBC or Fox, be like, well, why do I want to pay all this money? A billion again. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. When I can just 
buy it. And then I don't have to pay for it anymore. You know, like, I mean, they have to pay money, but I mean, just like buy it, make it your own. Okay. You, we own it. That was WCW. Yeah. If you listen to any of Jim Ross's podcasts, like we didn't make money because they owned it. There were no TV rights for WCW and, and Jim and early NW late NWA Jim Crocker, whatever. I always get it confused, but it's like, when you know Sting and Luger and Rick Rude and the Dangerous Alliance, everything was happening. They weren't making a dime because from because Turner Home Entertainment made it off the uh, the tapes. You know their TV was the revenue went to the TV company. The TV company revenue stayed in Turner, so it was like they had some merch and live events, and that's really not a lot, you know. So especially in ninety two ninety three when wrestling was not great and doing well, but. Why not if you're Fox or NBC to say, especially like you're saying with Fox being like, I don't have to worry about programming Monday and Friday forever because I got wrestling 52 weeks a year. Very interesting. Very interesting. So you, I'm saying NBC. Amanda, you're saying Disney is a player and we're saying Fox. All right. These are very good. Watch. It's Apple. Apple just comes in like, ah, we're going right. to just screws everything up for us. <laughs> they got, they got, hey, Apple got baseball oh, no. and, and soccer. Yeah. Right? soccer. Yeah, they got soccer too. Yeah. Did they get anything with football, Apple? I didn't think so. They were um, making a play, but I don't think they did. Oh, there's, there's Amazon trying. said, uh, no, 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 no. They're trying to get, this, they're still, uh, they're still, the Sunday ticket is still up for grabs. That's right. So yeah. Apple and Amazon are the two major players for that one. Right. Oh, and at, mm, ESPN too, I think is also up for that one. So not direct TV guys. Um, <laughs> Let's talk. We've talked about Paul Triple H Levesque, who I fondly remember as Terror Ryzen when he was just a, a guy from Boston in WCW. A year ago, this guy was persona non grata. NXT was like dying. It was going to, the rumors were they were being revamped. And I believe August is the one, correct me if I'm wrong, guys. August is late August is the NXT 2.0 anniversary. I want to see so I'm, right. roughly August, September. So he was out. And unfortunately, you know, we had all his health issues. Glad to see him back. Sucks. We'll never see him in the ring again. He put his boots down at WrestleMania. And guess what? I don't ever want to see him wrestle again. Stay healthy. Um, he's now in charge. And the narrative, the, the quote unquote discourse, as they like to say, is that he's going to, he's the savior. here. He's going to change everything. Free agents are going to flock to WWE. His creative mind is going to change. Everything is going to change because Hunter is in charge and Stephanie's right there with him. How much credence do you guys actually give that? I'm going to hold my thoughts to last because I haven't put them together. But this whole savior notion that he's just, he's snapping, he's going to do the inverse. He's going to do the Tony Stark, Tony Stark snap. And he's going to bring everything back. He's he's going to bring everything back. Rajani, I'll start with you first. Do you buy into Triple H is the savior, or do we are we going to have some growing pains with Triple H? Listen, I love Black and Gold. One of my favorite matches of all time is Andrade Johnny Gargano in Philly. That's one of my favorite matches of all time. They put on like there were times where Takeover. Was better than like, I. I just watched NXT. Like I, there were times where Takeover was better than main roster shows, and like 
anytime that guys got called up, I was like, God, like, so like it was, yeah, it was like a, they need to go up. But then when they got called up, I'm like, God, they got, you know, Vince's fingerprints and he's not going to get it. They got vinced. Yeah. (laughs) And he's not, he's not really going to get it, you know, but I, I would say that one of the, one of the mistakes that NXT did was to go to USA because it was like, I understand you had this hot brand and then the pandemic happened and everything like that. But AEW was like offering a different product. It was a fresh product with fresh faces like MJF. You could finally see Kenny Omega on weekly shows, John Moxley, uh, you know, like Britt Baker, all these faces and NXT still loved it, but it got stale for a little bit. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I'm still kind of on 2.0, but just, (laughs) you know, and, and the, but I think that was the biggest mistake. What I will say about main roster, and this is when Paul Heyman was in charge of raw. Hopefully we will see new faces, get new opportunities instead of the same ones. And like calling Brock back, like, like I, I like Brock, but like calling Brock back. Okay. We need Brock to fight Roman again. Maybe it'll be, be some, somebody different this time. Uh, maybe there'll be like, you know, there'll be new combinations of women wrestlers like Io Shirai, where is she? You know, she, you know, she almost oh, out the door. Back. Yeah. I was about to say she's yeah, about she's out the almost, door. Yeah. She's almost out the Exactly. Like you don't let an Io Shirai sit on the shelf. I know she may have been, uh, there was rumors of she injured, but yeah. still get her on the show. <laughs> like she's incredible, you know? Um, there will be a new influx of opportunity it is going to take a little bit because you have to kind of get the a custom booking that everybody is used to. Um, I'm excited about that product for for like the first time in a long time. But if everybody is expecting NXT black and gold again, most of the guys are gone. And I know that they, you know, has said like if you know if this changed, maybe I would go back. But they're they're an AEW. I don't think they're believe. I don't think they're leaving. You know what I mean? I don't think they would want to leave. So I mean, they have Cole, to. Adam Cole and Malachi Black are there until twenty twenty seven. Yeah, they're they're signed uh, yeah. a five year deal. So like, I, I would attribute it to like a sports team where the roster that you have, you have to make most of the roster that you have. You can't. Like the free agents, maybe you can get a couple like Johnny Gargano and Candice and things like that. But like you have people there already. Like Braun Breaker should be up. Like Mello should be up. Oh, Mello. Uh, like, you know what I mean? Like uh, Toxic Attraction should be up soon. <laughs> I didn't say yet. I said soon. Oh, you know? move, Ch- move Chapa away from the Miz. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> Oh yeah. Make yeah, yeah. make new faces. I, I think that he will make new faces, and I think there's a problem with the WWE of like they have a few superstars in place, but like to keep on making superstars. There's only there's only a few people that feel important, and everybody kind of has to. And hopefully that yeah, I think him, Paul, and Stephanie will do that. And it, it's going to take a while though. Amanda. Triple H, how much do you believe 
is he a game changer? Is he a is he the savior of the brand? Or do you think I'll pose a little differently that it's just going to be keep it as it is? They're doing well because we're going to sell. You know what I mean? Like some people think they might just stick in cruise control because some people still believe Vince McMahon's going to book it. I think he's completely done because if he has any prints on this company, they're going to be in a shitload of trouble. Well, I, I agree with you there, Bill, because I, I Vince is gone. There, there is no, again, with this, it's a big pub, publicly traded company. They want to sell it at some point. They, he, needs, he needs to be gone. And I don't think WWE management would risk it, having Vince hiding back there, working on creative. You know, he, it, it, there's too much scrutiny. He's, he'd get caught, for sure, again, if they tried to do that. So I think Triple H, honestly, so... I know a lot of people are hyping, you know, and, and it's, it's good to be excited. You know, it's a change of pace. I also enjoyed NXT black and gold. I loved it. I also, um, mirror Merjani's sentiments that I felt like it lost what made it special when it moved to USA, because I felt like there was a push for NXT to, to change and be like AEW to compete with AEW instead of leaving it as NXT, what made it unique and special. I feel like, Triple H will definitely turn the creative side around, but it's not going to be right away. There's going to have to be a balance. And I don't think it will be to the extent that NXT gold was because NXT gold, what we loved about it was the wrestling, the storytelling, the wrestling for a pure wrestling. It, it, it was great. The yeah. storytelling was great. It had the match. The, the match psychology was perfect, but we also have to remember that WWE is a publicly traded entertainment as Marjani beautifully put it. He does do very that. entertainment focused. And there has to be a balance. And I think that's what this, this period of time is going to be is I think Stephanie is coming in with that knowledge, that brand, because again, she was chief brand officer, knowing the business, the entertainment side. And she's going to have to figure out with, with Triple H how to blend those two components, because I think we're going to see at some point great, we're going to go back to great entering psychology and great storytelling, but it has to balance out with how do you get those things to keep, to bring people back, keep the fans at the wrestling, the true wrestling fans happy, but yet balance out the entertainment part of it and make sure that it's appealing to a wide audience and not just the wrestling fan like AEW is in a way. So I think they're going to be working to find that balance. Um, I think, again, we're going to go back to seeing stronger matches, better storytelling, but it's going to take time. He, uh, you know, I think we are going to see some familiar faces come back because Triple H does have those connections with everybody. He can, he can, he can use those personal networks that he built with, with people who've left, who left NXT black and gold. Um, so I think, I think you'll see people come back in the future, but it's not going to be right away. Everyone's like, he's going to save it. He's going to save it. It's going to take time. <laughs> and it's not going to be in the way that people expect it to be. So I, I feel like Triple H is going to have to learn those nuances too of as much as he would probably want something like an NXT black and gold, it's not going to be possible to have it in the entertainment world that WWE lives in, which is the advantage AEW has is that they don't necessarily focus on entertainment. You know, they focus on wrestling. So they have that flexibility. And if WWE was set up the same way, the Triple H would thrive right away. Um, but he's going to have to learn and find, you know, kind of that balance again with Stephanie, with Paul Heyman and try to appeal 
to everybody. And that's something maybe he's not as familiar with. Um, we, again, we saw how it was a little bit of a struggle with NXT going to us to USA. Um, so having to do that on a larger scale, Triple H has got a learning curve. So I think, I think it's, it's almost unfair to put that expectation on him so soon. Uh, Cause it's going to take him time. Cause the higher expectations people come in with, the harder they are when the learning curve is there. And so, um, but I do feel like we are going to see a better product than we are. And ultimately what I hope is another avenue for wrestlers to wrestle, you know, to have more work um, to, 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 to another, another workplace, whether they are, uh, coming from the indies, whether they're moving from AEW or impact or whatever, there's another great workplace for people to want to come back to more options for the wrestlers. Um, but I, I feel like it's going to take, it's going to take time. But I, again, I think we are going to go back to better in ring psychology. And, and I agree with Marjani. I think, I think you are going to see, you're going to see a bunch of returns right away. Unless again, there's somebody who's a free agent, like a big, like Johnny Gargano. I can see him coming back if triple H talks him into it. Um, or can, and I think it's a possibility now, um, or Cody Rhodes, you can employ Cody Rhodes, put him out there scouting and bringing people back in. Right. Well, in, he's, in gotta, theory, he's gotta be careful with that. So in theory, exactly. Yeah. In theory, in theory, but you can, you'll see people come back, but I really think we're going to see stronger storylines and better match psychology with the, the current roster, because that's what you have to work with. And I think you're going to see people brought up from NXT 2.0. He's going to make do with what he has. So I think you're going to see a lot of movement from 2.0 to, to uh, fill in the gaps in the main roster. That's why I think the movement's going to I happen. Think, I think you have to. I you don't have to. They don't have enough. You have to. Like, so that's... Yeah. So he's going to save, if you will, if you're going to call him a savior, he's going to fix the current, <laughs> the current roster and current storylines. But it's going to be a much longer term transition to turn WWE around as a whole. And again, find a new balance to keep it, to, to keep both the wrestling aspect strong, but also the entertainment aspect strong. And again, that's just, that's, this is just my thoughts on it. Uh, wonderfully said both of you. I think one of the biggest things is, is I actually think triple H already has the pedigree. Uh, fuck. <laughs> you wanted to nope. say that. I, no, 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 you were as soon as I you said it, I was like, shut up. You shut up. Uh-huh, faking it. I call, I call bull. <laughs> you you totally, totally. No, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, fuck. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I think he actually does. Well, I'll use it again. I think he does have the pedigree to understand how to do the entertainment and the pro wrestling. Remember, he was the he was the uh, the forward face of the Logan Paul contract. I mean, like he also wrestled for how long? Stephanie was in charge of creative during the time when you know SmackDown was booked by Paul Heyman. She was doing Raw. She was the head of creative for a long time in theory uh, because Vince was doing other stuff. I know Vince always had his hands and stuff, but she Smackdown, was Smackdown was better by the, oh, the Paul, <laughs> Paul Heyman. I'll tell you that all the time. Uh, that's how he got uh, in trouble. That one time he listened to all the raw calls and how they were complaining about it. And then I heard him snoring. Um, it's so, but I think that's what you have there. You now have that balance of you have, he has that history within sports entertainment. He's been under, he's been involved in creative with Vince during this time. And he also saw the mistakes of Vince during that time, especially now he can, he can take foster those. He can rehab the people that were his kids from NXT, like a Finn Balor 
And he can now, okay, I'm going to ricochet others. Okay, we're going to fix you. And I'm going to, I'm going to accentuate what made you great and present it this way. Um, you also have one big roadblock, Nick Khan. Yes. Nick Khan was in the ear of Vince McMahon to, you know, fire everybody, you know, at least we think. So how much of a budget does he have? People are like, oh, well, it's a layup, especially if they go to TV 14, that MJF will go to WWE. Will they have the money to spend is the big question. Will they be on a tight budget? I don't understand why people think MJF is going there. I really don't. I mean, I, my thoughts on that real quick is I've said this before is he's, I think it's the whole Cody Rhodes undeniable to un, uh, undesirable to undeniable thing because they didn't want him because he was too short. That's the thing that's been put out there. And now he's like, now you want me Northeast guy. You're going to throw all this money at me and they could promise him the world. And sometimes you go revenge is a terrible business model. And I think that's why he would go there. That's why Cody went back. He didn't go back to, to WWE because he didn't have anyone to fight. He wanted to prove a point. I think that like, it's just a, it's just a wild prediction is that like MJF is coming back during fall sweeps. Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's not going, he's to, going to be, he's going to be there. There. I a hundred percent punk summer of punk guy. Yeah. I, I think that Tony like wisened up and is like, Oh, whoops uh what do i have in this guy and he's gonna pay him he's gonna stay but i'm but i'm just saying he in two years if that's a possibility i don't even know if they'd have the budget for him because we don't know if like i think sasha banks naomi and io shirai returning because triple h is now in charge there's no johnny ace there's no vince mcmahon bruce pritchard uh is is lessened in power they might want to come back. So that's three huge additions you got right there. Main roster, and you push them. Johnny Gargano, I mean, there's a comment out there that someone's like, well, now that Triple H is back from a high-named free agent, Fightful was reporting, maybe I want to go back there. Oh, gee, I guess that couldn't be Johnny Gargano. Could you? But I don't know if that's a Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman coming back. I don't know if that's an AEW free agent you're going to throw. Or say Ricky Starks' contract is up in a year. This is hypothetical. Can you afford to throw the money at him? Because if you're going to keep it lean, you're more likely going to say, let's take Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes and make them the stars, rightfully so, or, God forbid, Von Wagner, and make them him a star as opposed to paying three to five million, you know, three million dollars for Ricky Starks, even though I think he's worth it. Oh, is, totally. No, oh, and so so I wonder if they're going to do that. I think there is going to be a balance between the entertainment and the the actual wrestling. But if Triple H can take the principle that made SmackDown during that era that you were mentioning, were Johnny, and what made NXT so successful was simple storytelling. There was always a next man up or next woman up. If the Oscars was taken, the belt was taken off Oscar. They had Shayna Baszler waiting. She was ready. When they, you know, when um, when Ricochet went up, they had someone ready to replace Ricochet. When they had Finn or Samoa Joe or Shinsuke or Bobby Roode went up, there was always someone next to take that on. The problem with NXT was, again, revenge is a terrible business model. Instead of saying, let's grow NXT, put them on Tuesday, where we already had a built-in audience for SmackDown, we're going to kill AEW. 
that's not the right way. That's not a plan. That's just you trying to do what you've always done. And that doesn't always work. And you're going to lose sometimes. Wasn't going to work here because AEW had an audience that was thirsting that that was built up for years. It was from <laughs> it was the, the guy New like, Japan days. Yeah. It was from the being the elite days. People were already anticipating it. They saw all out and or yeah, and they were like, what? Like, this is what like this style of wrestling could be and all right, cool. I'm in like, I've already been wanting this. I, I, I'll make a quick analogy about the money part here. So Vince is George Steinbrenner. Well, he's gone. They're both gone now. Right. So they will spend money. They, George did not care. Like, or no, no, he, he spent that. money to get whoever, like whatever big free agent he went and go got, went and got him. And that worked for a little bit. Yeah, but the team, the Yankee teams that won the most were the ones were built on the Paul O'Neills, the Derek Jeters, the Bernie Williams, the Mariano Rivera's. Maybe you get a Scott Brocious, maybe you get a Chuck Knobloch, but the guys that Jorge Posadas, the guys that you brought up from your farm system, right? And then they started losing when they went big free agents. Randy yep. Johnson at the end of his like, Giambi, you know, don't tell me about Jason Giambi. Mother Jason brother. Giambi, I, I still don't get that move. A Rod, okay, I'll forgive. I'll forgive it. We got it. I got one better for you. What? Okay, they lost all the big names from WWF. Look who they made it with: Journeyman Steve Austin, Journeyman Mick Foley, the guy they were going to fire, Dwayne Johnson, yeah. Scrubby Triple H, who was classed off from the Click, and the one guy they brought, they kept around, the Undertaker, the, and the veteran, right? Yeah. So what Triple H has to do now? They already have a farm system with this. NIL thing that they have, like they have that. So it we'll see. I mean, there are some good people there. There's like Ivy, Tiff, Tiffany Stratton's good. Very good. Uh, they Very got, good. you know, uh, they got Roxy, who is a blue chip. Oh, yes. oh chip. Yes, <laughs> Core Jade is great. Like they have these young pieces in place, right? But you have to build what, what you have. You can't just go out and get people in there. You already have. Impact is still somehow has money. We'll get people. Um, AEW today. There, AEW has proven like Tony will go get people that he wants just to bring them in and stuff like that. So what Triple H has to do now is reinstill confidence in his roster and build on the people that they have. Like you know, you have your Oscar, a returning Bailey. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have to beg and plead to get Sasha and Naomi back. Alexa Bliss. Bianca Belair, I was saying it from day one. She is, she's the pillar that you build on. Um, you have, you know, you have Roman Reigns. I don't know how long you have Roman Reigns too, because I think that he's going to go to Hollywood. I agree. But oh, like, that is a big Roman Reigns. Big Roman Reigns. It's only a matter of time before, I think, after the Rock match, he yeah. goes part time. So mm-hmm. you have to make the most of them. But what do you have to do in the meantime? You have to build guys up. So when he leaves, and he will leave, that they seemingly kind of move in, you know? So Randy Orton, he's still there. He's hurt. He's near in the twilight, you know? That's what you have to do. You have to build from within, like you both have said. So that's the main thing that Triple H has to do. He has to do what the Yankees did after the Mattingly years and build from your farm system. And I think what we loved about NXT, storylines were simple. And storylines and things to me, the number one thing 
stuff has to matter because nothing yes. matters in WWE. <laughs> Champa hated Gargano. Gargano hated Champa. Good fight. Yeah, yeah. They fight. They and, were friends. They are no longer friends. And they fight. when and Champa when he held on to, we'll just take him for example. His obsession with that belt made that belt mean more. Yes. So when he lost, it meant a lot. It's not like everything else where it's just like, oh, the, here's the seventeenth time the New Day is going to take on. Uh, I'm just calling him Pete Dunn, uh, Sheamus, and Ridge Holland. And even the wrestlers are saying, how many times are we going to fight each other? And nothing matters. Nothing happens. We need and to, I'm, if you don't care, we don't care. I'm hoping more of the mid-card belts matter and the tag team belts matter. Yeah. I want more belt defenses. Yes. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I want. And they have, they have the talent. They have the people. Yeah, they have the talent. You just have, don't have anybody defending. <laughs> or you I, don't yeah. have, you know, it's the same I, people. Yeah. If they're defending, it's the same people. It's, uh, I want more defenses. I see titles shouldn't be collecting dust. You I know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and that's I the thing. Titles shouldn't. That's the thing about NXT. Like everything. And, and 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 they're doing that with Roman, but like the titles matter. Like it was like Oscar won one and one until like there she was so built up. They're like, okay, we can like have her lose. You know? Yeah. That, that you need people to matter and people to care. There's a reason why NXT ran weekly for one hour from a little college in Florida, but was able to sell at the Barclays. Mm -hmm. That's what you need. Guys, I think we could talk another three hours about wrestling, <laughs> but we have so much more to talk about. And the other big thing that happened was it was San Diego Comic-Con this past weekend. Uh, you know, pop break in San Diego Comic-Con. We have a long history. Al Manorino proposed to his wife there. It was great. Uh, we talked to Rami Malik. We talked to Seth Rogen, the cast of The Walking Dead, the cast of The Flash, Riverdale. We did so many cool things there. Of course, we haven't gone the past few years because who the hell has? Uh, but this year, everyone wanted to make it count. Definitely Marvel did. <laughs> I did two-hour podcasts on everything they did. Go check that out, Bill versus the MCU on the breakcast feed. We're now going to talk about some of... Uh, Marjani and Amanda are now going to talk about some of their favorite things that came out of comic-con 2022 and we're all gonna we're gonna go between you two because i'll interject where i do um i have one that i'll say first but we're gonna talk about everyone's picks for a little bit and then we're gonna get into some more cool stuff so for me my biggest thing from san diego comic-con was that i talked about how namor the submariner should be in marvel and i know there was legal stuff but every time i mentioned that people were like that's a terrible idea bill no one wants to see that. Well, guess what? People want to see that now because that fucking Wakanda Forever trailer was awesome. And I and, and everyone's like, well, Namor looks cool. That was my win. I needed that W. And I'm going to eat that W like Jameis Winston won. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Uh, brought football in. I feel a lot better now. So, Marjani, I'm going to start with you. What was one of your top things that you were so excited for that came out of San Diego Comic-Con. I'm going to throw a curveball at both of you. Good. It's what Marvel didn't bring. Oh, what Marvel friend, didn't bring. Tell my friend. Because, first of all, I'm extremely excited about the next phases and the fact that we get two Avengers movies. Like, yeah, we get yeah. Kang Dynasty. Because I feel that Ant-Man Quantum Manium is going to be so vital to what happens. 
and it's going to be a lot darker than a lot of people think. Like they saw Paul Rudd and it's like, oh, it's going to be jokey. And it may. Kang is a serious villain, serious villain. That's why he's getting his own Avenger movie. And Secret Wars is going to be heartbreaking to a lot of people. Um, of course, but I would say the fact that we didn't see the Marvels, we didn't see uh, Fantastic Four, which I think we're going to see at D23 in, a, in, a, in, a, in like a month and a half, and what they're doing with X-Men. X-Men is key because, one, at the end of Miss Marvel, you have a mutation, and w- with Namor's introduction, he's going to be a mutant. So I, 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 I think that this is only, this was like this, I don't want to say it's a small piece, but there's even more big news on the horizon down. And I was like, oh, they're showing us this, but wait until we get into the fall. Because I don't think Feige's done. Apparently, there's a whole bunch of movies and TV shows that were listed on that timeline that have not been announced at all, including the Werewolf by Night Halloween special that is driving our podcast editor, Alex, insane because he's like, you've announced, you said, we know this is happening, just announce it. If they don't, I fear for his life. Um, as a computer just turns on, it illuminates me. I've heard like they, there's this rumor that they can't do any new uh, X-Men stuff until 2025. That's not been substantiated by any like real sources. Um, where do you think mutants come in? I'm going to ask both of you guys, where do we get our first on-screen mutant? That isn't, you know, what happened in Dr. Strange. Oh, Amanda. Cause I have, I have a theory. I feel like we're, it's going to happen in phase six. I don't think, I think they're going to stretch it out for a bit longer, six, even seven, they could have seven. Um, they're going to make us wait for it because right now the focus is on the multiverse. And it's kind of the tough part because with the multiverse, you know, you have again shows like, you know, Agatha that's going to come out. You know, they're the kind of tied back. I know, I'm excited about that. Yeah. So one of the shows I'm excited about. You got Loki, season two of Loki coming out. So everything, everything for phase five and wrapping up phase four, everything seems to be right now pointing. And even I think they said is the multiverse phase with five and six. I think that's what they're calling it. Multiverse so, saga, yeah. right, the multiverse saga. And I really feel like when X-Men come in and it will, it's going to be at the end. I think the multiverse is setting up for the intro of the, because I feel like X-Men, it's going to be so big that it's going to, it's going to have its own phase. Mm. It's just my, my, my feeling out because X-Men is such a, they're so universal. And I mean, the only X-Men news I can recall that came out of SDCC was um, X-Men 97, that yeah, they're going to cool. redo that, which yeah. I'm excited about. Oh yeah. But I, I, but I feel like they're holding it and it's going to be, a big moment, maybe even Fantastic Four. I can see Fantastic Four kind of seg- being the segue because I mean they already teased it with um, with I mean Patrick Stewart and kind of you know already here's here's um, oh, my boyfriend John Krasinski. You know I have a lot of boyfriends. <laughs> they just don't know it yet apparently. But but 
but I mean, you already have kind of that little, that little nuance there, you know, you got it from, from, um, from Dr. Strange. So I feel like that might be the best place, but I, again, I feel like the X-Men's going to get their own, going to have their own moment. Okay. Marjani, do you got a moment? Are you still thinking? I got a wish. (laughs) What's your wish? I would love to hear your wish. There's one storyline that I have been dying for them to do. We know that we know that Scarlet Witch is not dead. Wanda's not dead. I don't I don't know. I haven't seen these, so I can't tell you. I'm gonna say no, probably not. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Don't worry. (laughs) Doctor Strange and Spider-Man Far From No Way Home have been spoiled a million times for me already. But I'm also guessing, but like there's this like rumor out there that she's getting her own show. And plus they're doing Wonder Man, which in the comic, they were lovers. And so like like you know, vision might come back and like, what the you know, uh, Wonder Man. (laughs) (laughs) So I am hoping that they do House of M. Oh yeah, okay. I am um, really hoping, especially because I don't know how X Men ninety seven is going to be tied of everything. We know that like Marvel loves their tie ins, and that Magneto is going to be the head of the X Academy instead of Professor X. I would love for a House of M story to bring them in. Oh. Now I know that's a lot of that's that's jumping the gun. <laughs> like that's like jumping down. But I would love House of N. Uh, Elizabeth, she has come out and said that, like, yeah. she wants House of M, like, way back in, like, 2000, like, 15 or something like that. That's how I would love to bring them in. Or I think that with Marvel, with all these uh, projects that are coming, they're just going to drop hints. Like, somebody has a mutation. What are all these people popping up with mutations? Like, what are they called them and stuff like that? Or like, there'll be like government agents. <laughs> Imagine that's a lie. What do we call these people with mutations? Yeah, like the you know the DOD, you know DODC. Like, you know, I, I think that She Hulk actually dropped in. Like, you know, there are people popping up with like all these that's powers right. and stuff that's like right. that. So I think that they are sprinkling in like, hmm, in this world, like in this Marvel universe, like. There, there's people uh, that are around, maybe you know, with psychic powers or like protruding metal, metal claws. You never know. So, so I'll give you Alex's because we talked about this. He thinks there is a Deadpool three is going to come out, and that was one of the movies hidden on the timeline that they haven't yeah. announced yet. That's going to be a Deadpool okay. three, and that's where we'll see officially. We'll see some X X Men. I think this guy who started reading comic books again is it's going to be Miss Marvel season two. Cause I think we're going to get the Wolverine meets Kamala in the sewer storyline, because if you're going to introduce X-Men, you have to put Wolverine as the guy and he's your segue. And you could have him in a couple movies. You could have him in those two Avengers movies, especially if it's the secret wars where we have battle world perfect guy to have in there and then that leads if that leads to a reset we then have here's the x-men now i think that could be the way to do it because you have to i think you have to have someone from the x-men in the end of this these two these this uh multiverse saga also it's a multiverse how do you not have x-men in it you know it's also like i still would love to see silver surfer but you know i think we're getting him 
I think I we're think getting so him. Too. Son of a bitch. That sounds great. It better be Keanu. I think we're, I think we're getting oh. him and uh, knock on wood Galactus too. I think that's yeah. what too. So I thought Galactus was when I watched Love and Thunder when they got to, uh, is it Eternity? Is it Eternity? Eternity. Eternia? Is it Eternia? Yeah. Oh, no. That's He-Man, I know. But I, know. I was like, oh, that's the way they were shaped. I'm like, oh, it's Galactus. And my friend, Al's like, that's not Galactus, dude. They actually said who it was. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Galactus. And then it, it wasn't. Because if you're talking uh, multiverses and worlds, somebody's got to eat them. You know? Exactly. Someone's yeah. got to be hungry because it always comes back to food for me. Um, so that's great. So what they didn't show. God damn it. I'm glad we brought you on, man. Always saying great shit. That's uh, good shit, pal. But I say that in a way that I mean that. Um, Amanda, something from San Diego Comic-Con that you're like, oh. I'm going to switch hats here. Lord of the Rings. That new yes. trailer they debuted. I So one of my other favorite franchises that I love and adore is a Lord of the Rings. Do you adore love The it. Hobbit? I actually, I enjoyed it. It just it wasn't as good. I don't adore it, but Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite video games for the PS3 to play. Nice. Uh, And just yeah, I played the games. I did. Yeah, I loved it. So I was here for this when it was first. I I was a little skeptical at first. I'm like, well, it's a series. It's gonna be kind of hard because again, the the last you know the Lord of the Rings trilogy was so good. (laughs) But but my expectations were higher, and I know we're gonna talk about House Dragon in a little bit, but my expectations were higher, but just seeing the initial trailer got me hype. Seeing this trailer that they released for uh, here for SDCC, incredible. You got more young Galadriel and she's one of my favorite other, you know, I loved um, Arwen too, but Galadriel, man, the way Kate Blanchett portrayed her in the original trilogy was great and uh, you just wanted more and it's like oh i'm curious about her back like that would be cool to see a backstory about her and now you're gonna get a young galadriel and so it's it's uh, so so exciting the visuals are stunning i'm even more excited for the series now that i saw the trailer and just checked out i tried to watch some of the panel live while i was working but um kind of went back and read some recaps later for what i missed and how has it been 20 years can I, can I just ask, how's it been 20 years since Lord of the Rings? That's crazy. I was in college. 20 years. I was in college when that's yeah. Like, yeah, man. And I'm like, but I'm like, thank God we live in a time where we get Lord, more Lord of the Rings. And just the way that the trailer ties, you just start seeing how everything comes together full circle even more now to the events of the movies. I am so hype. I, I popped so hard seeing the trailer i'm here for this so that's one of the things i'm most hyped up about coming out of sdcc is more lord of the rings rings of power yeah i'm here i'm here for it i i was <laughs> very skeptical about this when i heard they were spending all this money on it i'm like oh god why are you just redoing it and then when i, I weird thing that gave me hope was i saw wheel of time i watched like the first few episodes i'm like okay they can produce an epic because you're know, like i'm like the boys is cool Oh, but yeah. that's not Lord of the Rings, you know? Right. So I'm just like, can they do a, like a fantasy epic? And, you know, I only watched a few episodes of Wheel of Time, but I'm like, from a scope standpoint, from a production standpoint, they can do it. And then when I saw that trailer, I'm like, oh, so this is probably going to be good. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I got to put that on the podcast schedule. Uh, and it's so, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that too. Marjani, your relationship with Lord of the Rings, and are you, are you in for this series? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that... 
the trailers look amazing. I like to said, like I, I love Return of the King too. Like I thought that was an amazing movie. Um, it's Amazon. They were gonna spend money on it. They spent over two hundred million dollars on this. It, it was gonna look incredible. Uh, everybody they casted is great. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, I was gonna. <laughs> Like for the thing that I like loved about San Diego Comic Con, I I was gonna say Return of <laughs> I was gonna mention Game of Thrones, but I thought that like John Wick Four trailer coming out, yes, yes. that was gonna be one of my other yes. moments. John Wick Four was great. <laughs> like, first of all, it caught me off guard. I'm like, this movie comes out in March. Like, how the hell, like. Why did they put a trailer out? So uh, it's the end of July. So okay, yeah. that trailer looked incredible. Yeah, yeah, a sword fight and a, a sword fight and a gunfight at the same time. Yes, like with Donnie Yen. Yeah. yeah, and I saw it was of course it's Donnie Yen. I popped right off. I was like, ah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, oh, it was so good. I just, I just love the visuals. I feel like each John Wick movie, the visuals get more stunning. Oh, yeah. Two, just I, I don't know. It's like the neon, just the neon colors. I, I just I love it. Every time I see it, shouldn't Wick. work because how many times have we seen the, these action franchises? They go and then they just devolve. Like you go back to the eighties, like Death Wish and Kickboxer. I mean, the Kickboxer. But I, I also but, I also feel like what works in John Wick's favor though is there yeah, is I mean, such a lack. Well, that too. Yeah. That too. Um, <laughs> I love Keanu. I love Good Keanu. He's just uh, if you hate on Keanu, you have no soul as well. Nice, I met him. Um, nicest guy ever. So. Yeah, I was like, if you hate Keanu, I don't. Don't talk to me. Just he's just a nice guy. Just leave him. But I feel like because there is such a lack of those action movies out there, I feel like that's what works in John Wick's favor because you don't have an action franchise anymore. Kind of looking around like a Death Wish anymore or, or Rambo. Or Die Hard, you don't have those, and I think that's why those petered out. Because at the time, you know, at the time you had a, a variety of options to watch, and now you don't. And I feel like John Wick brings that nostalgia back. I know it does for me. Oh yeah, because I grew yeah. up watching. I'm an action girl movie at heart. I I just Die Hard is a, is a Christmas movie. I don't care what it people is. say. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's a Christmas mm-hmm. movie, and my I wear my Nagatomi Plaza shirt. It's great, <laughs> um, but it's it's. You just don't have those anymore. And that's why I think the John Wick persists and does really well. It's not only does it get more visually stunning, but you just just don't have a good action franchise like that no more. Plus, Keanu is amazing, man. Like he is, he, yeah. he's just like he's just great in that role and like has been better each movie as you go on. So I'm like, keep making them. Plus, they're making like a uh, show. Like a yeah, a show and I, mean, I think a like a side movie. A comic that he wrote, he wrote, right? Berserker. I was going to ask you about that, Marjani. What you have you read, Berserker? And do you what do you think about? I haven't read it yet. I, I will. Like I'm super interested in it. Like and I'm glad that he did the comic. I know everybody's been uh, like clamor for him to get into the MCU as a ghostwriter, but um, oh, Silver Surfer yeah. for me. Oh, Silver <laughs> because I just, I really want to solve the tie back to Point Break. So that's all I want. Like. <laughs> like I want him to yell via Condios, bro. And I mean, if people are like, "Why do oh you like Point Break so much?" I'm like, I named the fucking site after it. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I think that like there is a uh, like a side movie with uh, Arma de Amas coming too, uh, which in the John Wick universe. I'll look that up. Yeah. 
Oh my god, I hadn't heard that. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm excited to see the anime adaptation because I think there's like they said there was the live action berserker that's uh, he's going to be playing. And then there's an anime adaptation that Netflix is going to do. And Netflix does a really good job, but they're usually a good job with their animes. I've enjoyed their anime, their original anime content so far. Um, so I'm excited for that too. Uh, it's called Ballerina. Yeah, and Emerald uh, Fennel is writing it. She wrote, she wrote on Killing Eve and Promising Going. Um, oh, uh, damn it. It's going to be good. So, and then the, I think the person who's directed it is uh, Len Wiseman. Yeah, he did Underworld. <gasps> yeah, he did Underworld. Yeah, my God, my God, <laughs> my God! I'll, I'll throw, I'll throw a, a, a kind of like a grouped one in, uh, and it's weird because I, the when I say group, I also want to talk about Groot because I'm very excited for all things Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, happened because as I'm rewatching Marvel, I never saw Guardians of the Galaxy two when it came out. I just watched it. Probably one of it's probably my favorite Marvel movie because it's like I cried. It has Kurt Russell in it. It's funny and it has Kurt Russell in it. And so to get Groot, to get the panel back and to realize that, um, and totally goes blank on the actor's name, but the dude from Peacemaker is going to be the high evolutionary. We're getting that character of all people. And then we're going to get a, a rocket, um, you know, origin story. And then we still have a Christmas special. Um, all of that makes me so happy. Um, Adam Warlock too. Oh, and yes, I was, yes, but who we got teased at the end of guardians Two, played by Will Poulter, you know, he's got to factor into way more than just the guardians movie for sure. Um, okay, guys, any other ones you want to put up? We're going to get into the game of Thrones one real Let's, let's move into it because some of these were all announced. We're talked about comic-con except for one. That includes Sandman, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, um, Andor, and um, House of the Dragon, all of which, outside of Andor, were, we had trailers for at San Diego Comic-Con, all dropping, good night, buddy, I love you, um, in all dropping in August. Oh, and by the way, in the first week of September, it's going to be Lord of the Rings, so it's like, and football fall is great uh of these four like these big shows coming out these big four which of these shows are you most excited for let's start with that one just a lightning round which one are you guys most excited for amanda i'll start with you of the four i mentioned which is the number one show for you you know which one's gonna be mine and or right off the bat i yeah i i've been waiting for this show because rogue one is one of my favorite star wars movies and I really to know that even though you know what happens to Cassian at the end, I mean it. Knowing that he's going to get his moment, and you're going to get more of a backstory about kind of the origins and what's going on with the rebellion, um, and it's just like a spy movie or like spy show, and like it's just so much that's gonna it's, it's gonna happen that I'm I'm so I'm so hyped for it. I'm so hyped for it, and. I, I, you know, so that was an easy, easy choice. But I think, I think the other that I'm most excited about is going to be Sandman. <laughs> um, so, guys, so here's what I'm going to yeah. ask you both. I have never read Sandman. I know very little on Sandman. Sell me, please, if you can, if you would like to, why I should be watching Sandman. Besides the fact I have to do a podcast on it. <laughs> so, Marjani, I'll start with you. Have you watched? 
Red Sandman comic? I, you know what? I'm actually in the same boat as you are. Amanda, um, have I you know. Read, <laughs> have you read, you've, you've read it, right? I read it a long time ago. In fact, it, I'm going to have to reread it because it, I read it. I read it while I was in college. Um, and I just, it's, it's different. And I, I've always been drawn to things myself that are a little dark, a little, a little mysterious. And, you know, just for me, it gave me anything for me. That's like the crow and gives kind of those, those kind of dark vibes, um, intrigues me right off the bat. So, um, and I remember walking around, you know, um, borders and Barnes and Nobles uh-huh. and seeing the Sandman everywhere. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to check this out. Cause the cover looks mysterious, you know, the, and I, I, I started off, you know, seeing just the graphics everywhere and I, just seeing it was flying off the shelves at the time and just, yeah, it's a very unique world. It's a very different, you know, there's it. Why I'm excited about it is it's such a departure from, and I love Marvel. I will always love the Marvel universe. I will always love star Wars. Those, those are, 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 are too close to my heart. But the salmon is so different. It's just a whole different, you know, adventure. It's a whole different, you know. The the I mean, it's dark. It's intense, and it's 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 a different change of pace. I feel like, and it's a beautiful story in its own way. A beautiful vision come to life. And so the trailer for me really just was jaw dropping um, because there. You know, there's so many elements that I'm like, can you animate that, bring this into a show and make it look good and not look cheesy or not look, you know, can you capture the same vibe that Neil Gaiman, you know, creates? And it was beautifully done. Like, I just was like, <laughs> and just seeing everything come together again, it's such a, it's such a different story from what's out there that for me alone, even if I never touched a Sandman, just seeing something that intriguing and that different is alone, I think, enough to to watch it and just kind of like this is almost gave me kind of a little bit of like um looking at like the labyrinth a little bit, mm-hmm. watching the movie, kind of those those vibes a little bit. Just it's like it's such a different departure from everything that you're used to watching. And yeah, it's just it's I'm excited for it for that reason. Just so different and so cool and just yeah i'm here for it <laughs> for me the only thing i ever knew about sandman sandman was raven and the sandman from ecw wore the, the sandman shirt so i'm like all right that's a thing yeah. and i've also heard it's just been in production hell forever so i'm like yeah. this is the unfilmable source material i gotta see if they can do it i have no idea what it's about but it's been this unfilmable thing. Let's see if Netflix can hit it. Marjani, what's the what's drawing you to watching it? I think a lot of what Amanda touched on, and plus I, I'm a big like Neil Gaiman fan. Nice. I so too. like um like I did order like the graphic novel and I will read it before I watch the show. Um but the fact that like they're you know like American Gods, like the show, yeah. was good yeah. at first, and then yeah. they started messing with it. Um, Coraline, I I love Coraline. Um, yeah, Coraline's so great. Know, so like, the trailer kind of has like encapsulated me, kind of like this like story about dream, and you know, 
what the endless are and things of that nature and looks really like i said like i, I like horror so like it looks like it captures that and i, I want to like dive more into the world nice one thing i wanted to come back around to about andor was this is a much longer series mm-hmm. than we're used to i want it's a 12 episodes, 12 episodes. so marjani you just thank the lord and savior about it being 12 episodes what is does the six episode like maximum that we've seen for so many of these shows does, how, how much does that bug you it hurts storyline so much because like with like Kenobi and most of the Marvel shows, it's like they get into a rhythm and they're like, okay, we have to like, we only have two more episodes. We have to wrap things up and we have to go on to the next thing. And I think that with a couple more episodes, Kenobi would have been great because it would allow things to breathe. It would explain to, you know, Reva a little bit more. And the fact that we go into this world with Cassian not really like wondering where Vader is. I mean, he may be Maybe. like that. He may be around, like, but more of the Empire and kind of like the underworld and how everything else is happening while Star Wars is happening for a twelve episode series. I think that it's gonna be better for it. Like, it'll let things breathe. I'll be like, oh, okay, like. This storyline, they could go into more multiple storylines without feeling without rushing them. So that's why, and and plus, Rogue One is amazing. You know what I mean? So thank God. I like. I feel like there's a very small like unit of people who really love Rogue One, and I'm on a podcast with them. I'm very happy about that. I do love Rogue One as well. Great. It's just, and I always was like, it it would be a better show. And now Disney is like, cool. We stole your idea and just made a show. Disney Plus just just hire me at this point. Um, No, Uh, but Amanda, how do you feel about that that 12 episode arc? Because I know, like, we just got from SDCC. We got, uh, you know, it's going to be 18 episodes of Daredevil, which seems quite okay, that's a, that's a little excessive which yeah. is basically they're just like you have a problem with six we're gonna triple it hey netflix yeah, like, we're you want a 13 we'll give you 18 just to shut you up uh but it's very weird but how do you feel about the 12 episodes for andor do you think there's enough juice to the squeeze for that i don't know if that's the right me- metaphor by the way but i'm gonna keep it <laughs> well so for me i'm used to longer episode or longer episode counts i guess or numbers because i watch anime and we all know there's like 300 plus episodes in some animes i'm actually i think episode 534 of one piece right now there's a thousand over a thousand episodes <laughs> um so i i i've it's not too much of a stretch at least for most most shows but i i i'm interested to see i'm actually happy too that there's 12 for this for this um for andor because i agree with Marjani. That's the hard part about six episodes is you lose a lot of the story. You're trying to tell a story and just, you have to, there's so many sacrifices you have to make within six episodes that hurt the storytelling. Um, and I feel like here, it's nice to, yeah. to have the freedom to tell a better story, but now it's, it's, well, Disney's formula typically is again, that six episodes. Can they do it? It's <laughs> the question. Yes. Um, you know, can, how will this, is it going to be a little rough in the beginning? And I, and I really feel like they could because there's a, there's a lot of meat there because you really don't know much about Cassian at all when he shows up in Rogue One. Um, and if, and I mean, Diego Luna is a very captivating actor, period. I love him. I used to watch some of his old Spanish stuff. And I mean, he's just a very intriguing 
just a very charismatic actor. So he can carry it. Absolutely. Um, I just, it's just a test of whether Disney can, can do it or are they going to have a bunch of filler episodes? (laughs) You know, can they tell quality 12 episodes? And this will be a test for them because if maybe it's successful going forward, maybe we will get longer episodes for other projects going forward. So I think this might be a test run for them. And there is a purpose. There has to be a purpose because I feel like with Star Wars, we all know there's, there's always some kind of method to the madness. Um, if you will, for Filoni and Febro. Let's keep it in the Disney world. Well, not in Disney world, but in the realm of Disney. Let's keep it uh, with She-Hulk, attorney at law. And there's the question for you. It is going to be Marvel's first 30-minute sitcom. This is going to be a comedy. How do you guys feel about that choice to put She-Hulk in a sitcom? I actually thought it was going to be a legal drama at first. And I'm like, I was trying to pitch my wife to watch it. And she's like, no, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm slowly converting her. Don't worry. Um, so, Marjani, what do you think about She-Hulk the sitcom? I like that we're lightening up in the in MCU. Thank you. We're, we're continuing to because it was rough there with WandaVision and, you know, Hawkeye. Like, well, even, even though we night. had... Yeah, Moon Knight and stuff like that, you know, Kate Bishop, and you know, like all that stuff. Like it's fun. Um, I mean, in the comic, She-Hulk, she breaks the fourth wall um a lot. And I like that in the trailer that she did that. Um I forget the actress's name who's playing She-Hulk. Tatiana Maslani. Yes. Uh I watched Orphan Black. She's great. I think she's, she's gonna very kill this role. Too. Mark Ruffalo is back. Uh, I think they're both going to do great. I want to see. I, I want to see the MCU do a comedy. I, I want to see like how they do. Uh, like they've been dipping in different genres. Like we already kind of got the comedy with Thor: Love and Thunder. I thought that was just a comedy movie <laughs> with with sprinkle like a little bit of like darkness in there, like losing kids and stuff. But um, yeah, we're getting. She-Hulk, we're getting Wong back. This is slowly becoming the Wong cinematic universe. Uh, yeah, I'm bring on the funny. Bring on the uh, Jennifer Walters dating life, which looked pretty funny. Like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm bring it on. I just want to laugh in the MCU. Yeah. I just want to like. I don't want to be like, oh, like. Yeah, I I don't need more. I don't need more sad. To be honest, I agree. Uh, Amanda, about sitcom, I turned British. <laughs> oh, what do you think of sitcom She-Hulk? Is that, <laughs> think about it. It's me. Oh, it's me, Mark from, from, from Moon Knight. I'm back. <laughs> Which personality are we getting now? Everything just goes back to being sad, so we're fine. Right. Later, um, I, actually, I actually really am excited about She-Hulk as well, because I, I feel like we don't get enough comedy in, in the Marvel Universe understatement of the year. It's, it's very, it's heavy, it's intense. And I feel like Marvel could do, I think if it were any other, maybe, you know, network, TV station or any other outside of Disney, I would be like, mm. yeah. but Marvel, Marvel has shown with the humor that they do have and they do utilize, it's well done. I mean, look at Thor. I get Thor was a great example. I was going right there with that same thought. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder, both of those were hilarious and and almost like little parodies, like satires. Let's poke fun at the superhero genre, you know. Um, it's well, it's it's 
they can, Marvel has shown that they can do humor. And when they do it in the pockets that there are, they're well-written and they're funny and they're relatable. And I feel like this is a great way to make a character that many people may not be as familiar with, because of course, everyone's more familiar with Hulk, the Hulk. And making a character, bringing in a character to the universe that people are not as familiar with and making her relatable. Humor is what is a great thing to relate people. Um, I think it's going to make people like her more and be invested in her character more and care about her. And it's a different way to do it versus like a trauma bond. (laughs) You know, I I like that they're doing this approach because again, humor brings people together and makes you like who you're watching if it's well done. So I, I think it's a really good way to introduce her into the universe and make people care and invest and get invested in her in a different way and endear her to people and endear her to again people who are not familiar with her and it's nice to have another female lead that it's not all drama (laughs) or you know again like i as much as i love scarlet witch and i love wanda there's so much sadness and uh, you know just grief and drama and oh what's the it's she's causing the problem like with the multiverse it's nice to have a female character that she can just, you can just get behind and it's not all drama and sadness and grief. Exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about more trauma and sadness and grief. We talk about <laughs> House of the Dragon because that's coming in Game of Thrones is anything but funny. Um, Game of Thrones. Okay. So I have a, you know, we, I try to pretend outside of the, the battle of Winterfell that the last season of Game of Thrones and probably even the season before that outside of an episode or two doesn't really exist because, well, they sucked. There, uh, last, there was a the last season. Exactly. I mean, I might've dreamt that up. Well, I, yeah, I used to drink a lot. So, I mean, like that might've been a problem. I don't know. Could have been a fever dream for all I know, but Game of Thrones was a beloved series that no one likes to talk about except the fact they hated the last season. Um, we now have a prequel series starring every, the boyfriend, Dr. Matt Smith, amongst many others talking about the Targaryen legacy. We all watched game of Thrones, whether we want to admit there was a last season or not. How do we just the general feeling about this? Me full trepidation because the trailer was solid. And I always was like, that trailer has got to be huge. Got to be killer. And it, I didn't think it was killer. I thought it was solid. I thought it was good. I am very worried about this show that I'm just not going to care. Like it's going to be fine, but it just, the magic won't be there because of the taste is still in my mouth from the last series. Uh, Amanda, I'll start with you first. What do you think? So I was actually, I had zero interest in watching until they cast till Matt Smith was announced. And I'm like, you know, I love Matt, of course, Doctor Who. I love him in The Crown. And, you know, he has, he's such a great actor. I love him in general. So I'm like, okay, I have a little more, I have a little more hope. But I was the same way. I loved watching. I mean, I sat and watched and I invested so much time in Game of Thrones, like so many of us did. I've, I've read all the books and I don't think George R. R. Martin will ever finish. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, but I was so upset with the end because then you put so much time into this whole incredible show. So brilliantly done until the last season. And I'm like, you know what? Y'all already burned me once. And it was a big way. Do I really want to invest 
no. you know, my time again. At least I think this is supposed to be three seasons, correct? From what I've heard this time. I heard it was a short, it's supposed to be much shorter. I think I heard it was somewhere yeah, it was three I don't seasons. Know three seasons. That made me feel a little better because I'm like, okay, well, at least I won't have to invest so much time if they botch it. <laughs> yeah. um, it makes me feel a little better. But I, by the virtue of Matt being casted, you know, I think that made me interested in watching the show again because I feel like, you know, the cast looks pretty strong. But I also feel like, too, I had to remind myself that, out. yes, the show messed a lot of things up for me, but there was a lot of really great source material coming from the books and even some of the, the companion books and the histories. And um, so there's still really great source material to work with. So I'm like, well, if they have good material and they, they do it right, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of hope. But I also felt a little underwhelmed with the trailer, especially after watching Lord of the Rings. Definitely underwhelmed. I'm more excited to watch Lord of the Rings at this point than yeah. I am of House of Dragon, but I am willing to give it a shot. I'm going to try it. Johnny, I mean, what are you thinking, man? I, so I, I've recently watched season eight again, Why? and I'm a little, okay, because I just, no, no, no. He's, and he's, I'm a little, slightly a little bit more positive on it. Slightly. <laughs> so I read Fire and Blood, which this series is based on. Okay. It's very dry. It's a very dry book. Uh... So like, I'm like, I'm excited to kind of see the Dance of the Dragons and like, you know the end you know potential end of targaryens but i'm like i don't know i know things are going to get altered from a show point i'm like but adapting from part of that book i don't know how lively this will be i feel like it's gonna be a lot of talking and a lot of threatening <laughs> because that's what the book was yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna kick your ass. Oh, I'm gonna kick your ass. And it's just like, cool. Like, you know, the, the end is near. You know, you know, like, so I don't, I don't, I'm Benny off and Weiss is okay. First of all, it's already hard enough because Game of Thrones is one of the most successful TV shows of all time. Yeah. <laughs> With, you know, even considering yeah. that eighth season. Okay. Which was a ridiculous amount of people watched that last season. So you already, it's kind of what I said with the MCU of like, after Endgame, I'm like, I don't know if they're going to hit that again, because that's 25 movies of buildup with a, a, with a great conclusion of losing key guys that you watch literally grow in an arc and was invested in. Yeah. We watched eight seasons of Game of Thrones, so I'm like. House of Dra uh, Dragon, I will watch because I kind of feel like I'm, I, I kind of have to. Yeah. But like reading the book, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what, <laughs> like, this maybe not, this might not be the story that I would have led with a spinoff for. I know that they had to do it like after, and then they announced that, you know, Jon Snow was coming back, which is kind of cool. But like I don't know, it's just this book. <laughs> but then I just wonder too if they're gonna 
kind of pool like Queen of the Damned did where it said Queen of the Damned in the title and it was uh, Vampire Lestat, I think the book was based off of. So I wonder if they're going to use some of that material, but maybe they'll pull from other other Targaryen content. Yeah. Maybe other references. And that's kind of what I'm hoping. Yeah. It, it just, I think we're all saying the same thing. It's like the hype just isn't there. Like we see the ads, but is it like when we went into season eight, like we were all ready for it. We were like, yes, we've been waiting for the conclusion for so long. And this is just like, all right, it's a show. I mean, there's other four other weeks of great stuff around it. So if it sucks, I can watch Andor or She-Hulk, you know what I mean? Or just like, or I can just wait well, for Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? And to be fair too, the panel didn't, they didn't really seem like there was a whole lot going on. Like they didn't show anything new. um they didn't they didn't do a good job of hyping it and what they should be doing no and and maybe that's just george r martin and hbo they're just like we give zero we go like we don't care we don't care at this point we're gonna do what we want but honestly if you want the turnout you gotta knowing especially how badly you burn your audience you gotta be a lot of dragon references (laughs) yeah you gotta be wooing you're because right now they are like white walkers to all of us right now okay um so you gotta woo your crowd back so you should be hyping the show up even more and trying to get people more excited about it i feel like yeah remember that that one season see that see that's the thing this game of thrones is coming into a new era of us watching things because i remember when season eight came out and, and like other seasons too it was an event like we yeah. were like nine, uh, like nine o'clock. All right, I gotta watch HBO, like or I'm yeah. watching it on the app, and we're all I talking HBO about HBO to watch this. I signed yeah. up to get HBO yes. to watch all of Game of Thrones. So now, not only is that changed because a lot of people are going to be watching it through the app, not and maybe not live. Some people will watch it live. Yeah, there's so much other good TV around it now. Uh-huh. So now it's not like Game of Thrones is the only show in town anymore. Now you're going to have Andor, even though it's on a different day. You're going to have, you know, uh, you'll have like She-Hulk and and stuff like that, like going on and and whatever else like Netflix or like Showtime or Thanksgiving. So like now there's attention everywhere now. And and, and like you said, like, you know, uh, Lord of the Rings is right around the corner from that. So it's now, it, Game of Thrones, with it leaving a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth, it's competing for attention now, and not in the way that it did in 2018 and 2019. You know what I mean? Like, but it's also, it, I mean, okay, this might be an antiquated way of looking at things. They're dropping this in August. Like, this is not getting the September prestige launch. And I know streaming has changed that. But it's still coming on HBO. Like, like the new season starts in September. Like, I feel like that there's nothing in September. What football? Yeah, I mean, okay, there is football, but it would still go against football regardless. It's still got ten weeks of football, you know. So it feels like it, it, it's like I, I don't know. There's something to stop. Remember, there was a one season where we watched the Facebook Live of them taking a blowtorch to a block of ice so we could see the release date. Yeah, and the yeah. blowtorch failed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you got, I mean, you got like Lord of the, you got Lord of the Rings. Uh, I think you got Cobra Kai, you know, that'll come back. I don't know. Like, 
and you, then you'll have like network television come back in September. Like, so you, I think that you are right there where like in that block on the 21st, there's not nothing on that Sunday night. It's still a Sunday night thing. Yeah. It's just that I don't know. It's just that the game has changed now. Like people watch TV different, you know? Yeah. I, I just don't know if it had, I mean, that premiere, that pilot has to be stupendous because they need to hook everyone because people are going to tune into that first episode. And if it's just, eh, it's all right. You're going to see those ratings just drop because HBO's had a good run this year. And to, to have that as a stinker, it's not going to be good, but guys, we have talked a lot and this has been so much fun. So we're, we're going to do is we're going to wrap up. We're going to plug our social media, but we're also going to give some pop culture recommendations for people, stuff you guys are enjoying that you want people to check out. So Johnny, I'm going to start with you. You have, Always have a plethora of amazing articles coming about. Uh, you recently dropped a great one about Star Wars on Pop Break. Tell everyone where they can find you. And let's on, on social media, stuff you're doing, and some pop culture recommendations. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at uh, Marjani Rolls, at Marjani Rolls, M-U-R-J-A-N-I-R-A-W-L-S. I'm always writing, always doing something creative, so I'm pretty sure you'll see it at Substream and the pop break as I think about it. Uh, a pop culture ref- recommendation. Hmm. There is a movie coming out next Friday called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes. Um, it's a, it is a, like, I saw a screening of it. It's so fun. It's a fun whodunit, almost clue-like slasher by A24, who is absolutely killing it this year. If everybody saw the Pearl trailer... After oh like God. after uh, you know um, X came out this year, I'm looking for that. Go see it. Like it's a good fun time of like friends kind of backstabbing each other and stuff. So check that out. That's got a hell of a cast as well. Um, Amanda, what do you got? Well, uh, of course you can follow me on Instagram primarily at Amanda Lorian because uh, again I love Star Wars and there we are. And, um, of course, definitely please follow at Mission Pro Wrestling on all social media platforms. If you're checking us out, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have lots of fun new content, um, not just wrestling matches, but um, different ways that you get to uh, know our wrestlers. Like we have some segments like Chop Talk. Uh, we have some segment. We have another segment called um, Candies and Pajamas, where we try, including yours truly, try interesting foods and you get our reactions from it. Just very entertaining when you're on the road with the locker room full of wrestlers. So it's a lot of fun. We have a great time. And our next show is August 20th, which you, if you're not local to, uh, it's actually going to be the show will be in San Antonio. Uh, this go around to benefit the um, Salvation Army, and we are partnering. And this is my that's my dog Sammy with his two cents here. Um, but partnering with the the Hybrid School of Wrestling, and uh, basically the the show again is going to benefit the Salvation Army. We've got our card is, is outstanding. But if you are not local to San Antonio, you can also stream the show on Title Match Network. And a couple of the matches I'm looking forward to include uh, Genocide versus Kylan King. That's going to be, nice. I, don't, I don't even think the Salvation Army building is going to be standing at this point. So that's that's one right there. Uh, we also have Simon Miller going up against uh, my favorite person, not really, J.P. Harlow. Um, <laughs> Simon Miller as in what culture Simon Miller? Yes, what culture Simon Miller is going to be taking on J.P. Go Simon. Um, <laughs> and of course we have our 
um, championship, our title being defended as well. Holodead, our Mission Pro champion, going up against Jasmine, top tier Jasmine Allure, who has been a thorn in Holodead's side for some time now. So um, please check us out. And thank you again for having me. Any pop culture recommendations for you? Yes, I do. Uh, I actually have one. It is actually a product that I came across and I'm really enjoying. For anybody who hasn't heard about this, it's called the Mobile Gym Buddy. And it is a, uh, you can see why people are doing the selfies at the gym and the videos. (laughs) It's because of this little device, but it is actually super handy. 360 degree rotation. Um, Basically, you just stick it on the back of your phone, put it on your equipment. I can watch, you know, kind of get my next workout set up and going. Uh, I can put it or just watch my shows while I'm working out and um, listen to music, do whatever. But it is really nice to have. Not only do I use it at the gym, I actually like, you know, using it as a nice little stand um, just in general, but it's a nice little prop stand. It is a, I can stick it in my refrigerator, stick my phone there, look at recipes while, or work on my recipe while I'm cooking. It's a really neat little tool to have in general. And it's actually really powerful too. So I've had this one for a little while and it holds heavy phones. <laughs> my phone nice. is heavy. And that's the big thing is you're, if you got a big old case, you won't drop it. So Jim buddy, check it out. And apparently dogs love it as well. Uh, yes, indeed. As for me, you could check out a whole bunch of stuff I'm doing on thepopbreak.com. I'm going to be reviewing Light and Magic, the uh, documentary series about industrial light and magic. I've watched the, I watched most of the first episode so far. Really cool. If you love uh, to know how the sausage is made, to go behind the curtain on all things film and special effects, it's awesome. Goes the first episode really dives into the history of stop motion animation, Ray Harryhausen stuff. It's really, really cool. It's on Disney plus the whole series is there right now. Uh, you could also check out my interviews uh, for my Asbury Jams interview series, which I'm partnering up with the Asbury Jams concert series, which happens every Thursday at the Wonder Bar. Two bands I'm going to really recommend from them. Actually, three. One, the Adam Ezra group out of Boston. Super cool, like folk man. Uh, Mojo Hand out of Tom's River, New Jersey, a cosmic Americana band. If you like Sturgill Simpson, you will love these guys. And a group called Garcia's People, another New Jersey band out of Teaneck which is like a new, a, a, kind of like a, an indie Grateful Dead-ish jam band type thing. Uh, I'm really into that vein of music right now. So yeah, definitely check all those people, all those out. I've interviewed all of them. Those are my pop culture recommendations. As for other stuff I'm doing, check out Bill versus the MCU. We just uh, did our Endgame sh- uh, show. Warning, it's like three and a half hours. Um, I saw Endgame. I cried. I loved it. It was amazing. First time I ever watched it. Uh, we also did a San Diego Comic-Con wrap-up where Alex and I talked for a while about everything coming out, which is really cool. Of course, socially distanced every single Friday. Uh, I'm also going to be on a podcast called Detoxicity. My friend Mike Haliger um, hosts it. Um, I talk about my, the last 10 years of my mental health journey. So it's not just all dad jokes and yucks. It's actually, if you want to know what's been going on with me, and I, as dark as it gets, I would love for people to listen to it because there actually is a very positive thing that comes out of this that I'm doing pretty good right now. So, and I wanted all those people who are struggling right now, I think this could help because I was that person not too long ago. So if you must follow me on Twitter, I am at Bodkin writes mostly right now. It's stuff about wrestling, uh, wrestling, the Yankees making trades and stuff from thepopbreak.com. 13 years, end of September. Uh, I would love to throw a show, but we'll see. And uh, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at the pop break. Guys, thank you so much for joining us and uh, listening to this episode. Marjani and Amanda, thank you for filling in for Al. You're definitely better than him. Um, and it's fine. 
he will he'll agree with you. But thank you guys for joining us. We will see you next week when our podcast means death. What does that mean? You'll find out. <laughs>